podcast news with profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. Welcome back. Hi. Welcome back. Hi. Welcome. You, Bryce. Not me. Them. Yeah, you. Oh. Welcome back. Did I leave? Well, yeah. Like last week. The podcast. For a week. Because we I, said well, bye. And now this is a new one. Okay, but I'm confused because it's only been two days for me and you. Yeah, but they don't know that. Well, they know that now. Okay, well, it's been two days. <laughs> uh, it's been two days since I've talked to Amanda, so we don't have much bullshitting. Actually, no, we probably have plenty of bullshitting to do. Oh, I'm positive we can find some. <laughs> I'm sure Amanda's not thrilled with me anyways, though, today. <laughs> I don't even know why, and I'm upset with you. Like, just... Ugh. First of all, happy 4th of July. We're going to ruin it. Okay. Yes. Well, so and by sorry. we, I mean Bryce. But my story has nothing to do with 4th of July either. So. I'll be honest. When I was researching, I didn't think, oh, do a 4th of July story. So happy 4th of July, <laughs> Independence Day. Celebrate America. I hope you're drunk when you listen to this. I hope you're drunk when you listen to this. <laughs> Amanda and I currently at this at this exact moment in time cannot be drunk anyways which is just tragic in and of itself yeah it's I mean for you it's you you've got another human I don't even know I'm just here I didn't leave long enough time in between the kids (laughs) I should have gotten drunk more you should have yeah I should have planned that better because I think it was like November, yeah, November, I stopped nursing, and then February, I had a, another child. So, yeah, that's a you problem, not a me problem. It's horrible. I should have got trashed on Christmas, is what I should I should have just got And New out. Year's. Yeah, and New Year's, yeah. Yeah. I think I, uh, I was asleep for New Year's. Like, James had to wake me up for 12 o'clock, and then my 83-year-old self went back to sleep. We don't even wake up for it. We just go to bed and in the morning go, Happy New Year. <laughs> We're old. This last year, I was in St. George visiting my grandma. I think my brother, sister-in-law, I forced Cody to stay awake. I can't remember if my <laughs> sister stayed up or not, but we stayed up with the kids because, you know, it was New Year's. Yeah. When so. you're in a group, it's different. But when you're at home with your husband, like, I know I'm going to see you in the morning. It's cool. Right. Let's just right. Kiss goodnight. Right. So, but I think I don't really go out New Year's. It's bedtime. But I get that from my parents because they would do the same thing. Like growing up, I don't remember staying up for New Year's. And I'm sure my dad will be like, you guys, you little shits did it all the time. And I don't have any memory (laughs) of it. So (laughs) just saying, that's how New Year's went. My like New Year's party times are behind me. That was like my 20s. That's gone. You know what? Um, (laughs) I learned. This is from a previous job that I worked at at a rec center. They did, they started doing like an annual New Year's like extravaganza thing. But like it was meant for the family, open late, Mm -hmm. right? They would do it based on Eastern Standard Time. So 10 o'clock, the ball drops. Woo! Everyone leaves. Oh, that sounds great. So that's if you really want to celebrate with your kids going forward when they care, just do it Eastern Standard Time with the ball drop in New York. That feels like a sneaky way for them to get older and be like, you lied to me. And for me to be like, no, honey, we did it by Eastern time zones. That's all. 
we just did a different time zone. Get yeah. over it. It's it fine. Was still 10. It doesn't matter if we did it at 10 in the morning. It was um in Korea, <laughs> it was midnight. So fine. I don't think that's how that works, but that's fine. <laughs> because I'm two hours behind Eastern. Mm-hmm. I can do like 10 o'clock, trick children into thinking, at least for some amount of time, trick them into thinking it's late enough. What is happening? Hey, James, you just kicked something in my computer. Okay. Whatever you did, it came back on. We're having another 911. I think, well, he just sat down at his computer, uh, which is directly on the back side of my computer, and then my my screen glitched. So, yeah, I got scared. I was like, oh, shit, I laughed too hard at her. <laughs> Karma's getting me right now. <laughs> well, at least on mine, is not my expensive monitor, so I'll take it. Fine. I fixed it for less than 20 bucks. We're good. Anyways, how are you? Not bad. Um, I feel like something annoying happened today, but I can't remember what it was. Was it me texting you? Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> that. Like, not, when you sent me that, I wrote a whole new story today, by the way. My paranormal, I did today. Wait, Why? Because I wasn't feeling the first one anyway, and I was about halfway done, and I just had to do the other half today. And honestly, I was scrolling through Facebook, and my friend Mark, I've mentioned him before, back in Mobile, he posted about something. And I was like, oh shit, that's really cool. I'm going to have to do that story. And then you text me, and I'm like, okay, screw this other thing. I'll just save it. Now I'm ahead, and I'm going to do this one because I need it. And from the way you text me, it felt like we're all going to need it. Probably. Would you like to tell them what I text you? I will read the damn thing. Hold on. Okay. So (laughs) at one o'clock in the afternoon, I get a text message that says you're going to hate me. It was noon for me. Thank you. But go on. It was 1244 PM for me. (laughs) I hadn't even had lunch yet. Okay. And I get a text that says, you're going to hate me for this. Just... So just mentally prepare yourself for some bullshit. And that's ironically, that's also the time when shit started raining from the sky. So. Um, oh, are you saying that I caused it to rain? That you shit on my parade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the good news is that you don't have to do the research for this story. You're welcome. I haven't even opened the drive to see what it is yet. I know. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't have anything. My day's boring. Ugh, I mean, I, no. I can tell everyone about the unintentional trick that I taught Maisie, but I don't know why anyone cares. I'm just really not looking forward to this. <laughs> I don't even want to open the folder. Okay. Well, before we get into it, uh, we just want to shout out that all of our picture, or we do post pictures on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Hell on Hills podcast for everything except for Twitter, which is Hell on Hills pod. We do have a link tree. We have our Patreon. We have our Discord. We have all the things going. We should have a the episodes up on all listening platforms but if we're missing one just let us know we're happy to fix that well amanda's happy to fix that (laughs) um but i think that's everything are you just go just do it okay i'm sorry rip the band-aid off let's go we are gonna talk about some major bullshit today (laughs) now i just want you guys all to know what the shit is that looking at pictures like hey let me fucking talk okay so for those of you that have been listening you all know how somebody told me i wasn't allowed to go to that one website anymore for inspiration that somebody would be amanda she put Uh 
date of 64. I don't think I listened to that. I think I did another one from that website in the meantime. But regardless, I had to re-listen when I edited the episode and went, oh, yeah, I'm not allowed to go to that website anymore for 64 days. (laughs) Well, the good news for everyone is that I listened and I did not get a story from that website. The bad news is that this story might make your blood boil. And um, you know what? Let me know if the website is back on limits after this. Because I think you might be okay with that website after. Just, <laughs> what do you Google? Like most no. mentally mind-fucked true crime stories in no. history? This one I actually found because I was looking at some articles about Stockholm Syndrome. Okay. If you're not familiar with Stockholm Syndrome, Britannica.com definition states Stockholm Syndrome describes the psychological condition of a victim who identifies and empathizes with their captor or abuser and their goals. So you see this in kidnap victims, victims of abuse, where they, instead of fighting against their attacker, they kind of start to shift and fight with their attacker. Now, this is a rare, rare condition. According to the FBI, only about 8% of hostage victims will experience Stockholm Syndrome. Some victims that are known to have suffered from Stockholm Syndrome include Patty Hearst, Natasha Campush, and Elizabeth Smart. So you have those, if you guys haven't heard those, we'll, we'll talk about those cases eventually. We'll, we'll cover them. Unfortunately, I'm not covering any of those today, but I am covering another really well-known case, but you might not recognize it right away. So let's, let's jump in. Cameron Hooker was born on November 5th, 1953. Cameron was born in Alturas, California, though his family would move often during his childhood. Even with his family moving quite a bit, Cameron was remembered by at least elementary classmates as a happy kid. And people were like, oh, he was always trying to make us laugh, like the other kids laugh, and kind of just a really happy kid. His family would eventually settle into Red Bluffs, California in 1969. And Cameron at this time, he was about 16. And his parents would also notice him becoming a little bit withdrawn. Like he stopped going to social activities. He actually kind of avoided them. But they never knew why. At least at the time, they didn't know why. Did they ever ask? Hey, son, you okay? Um, no clue. Okay. okay. So that, that feels healthy. Well, it was 1969. Oh, so okay. Yeah, fair. Different, different takes on mental health. Now, Cameron, he graduates high school and he begins to work in a lumber mill. He would meet Janice the following year. She was only 15 at the time that they, they would meet and he was 19. Okay, different time, different time, different time. Now, I did struggle to find a date of birth for Janice, but sources stated she was born around 1958-ish. Not much is known about Janice's early life, but there are reports that stated she was abused by her family. So her meeting Cameron and falling in love was described as one of the most sentimental relationships she had ever had. Though later on in her life, she would admit, quote, no matter how good or rotten a guy was to me, I just kind of latched on to him. That's really sad. Mm-hmm. And also due to Janice's past, she was more submissive. She would again later describe herself as, quote, the kind of person who gave in so somebody would love me. Oh, God, that's really sad. She was very submissive to Cameron and his sick and twisted fantasies that he would live out on Janice. From their very first date, Cameron would regularly call Janice a whore. Uh, okay, so... He would also introduce her to BDSM, specifically bondage and sadomasochism. 
articles all called it sadomasochism, but from what I could find, it was really just mostly sadism. There was no masochism there at all. And Cameron really enjoyed hanging Janice by her wrists while she was nude, and he would proceed to whip her with a bullwhip. This was one of his favorite things. And how did Janice feel about that? Not great. Okay, so um, I'm going to go ahead and kink shame because I feel like both people should get something from it. Right. Um, Listen, if that's what he's into, all right, find someone that is into that as well. Exactly. Yeah, like don't force it on. If that's your thing, that's your thing. But don't force it on. I won't say force because you said, you know, she did things for him to keep him there or whatever, you know, but. Just find somebody that enjoys it, I guess. Okay, you keep that thought in the back of your head. Um, oh, crap. <laughs> in one event, Cameron actually nearly drowns Janice due to his his fantasies, and he's playing them out on her. And this all started from their first date. Like I said, he referred to her as a whore from the very get-go of the relationship. And even with all of this, she would still go on to marry Cameron. The couple would wed on January 18th, 1975. By the time they were wed, Cameron had made his intentions very clear that he fully intended to abduct a woman to force her to become his sex slave. Uh, okay. So Janice, she's very submissive to her husband, so she does agree to this under two conditions. One, that he would no longer whip or torture Janice or act out these fantasies on Janice. Janice was wanting to get pregnant. She wanted that burden taken off of her. And two, that Cameron would not have sex with this woman and only with Janice. This was described as penetrative vaginal sex was off the table. Okay, yeah, they both suck. Yeah. I understand she had a bad pass, but to take on a better her than me mentality is not great. No. Now, Cameron and Janice Hooker... They would go on to have a baby girl in 1976. One day, on a family outing, they would stop and help a hitchhiker. Colleen J. Stan was born on December 31st, 1956. She had a relatively normal childhood with loving parents and two sisters. Her parents were divorced, so she had additionally her stepmother and stepfather. She, from what I could find, she didn't really get along with her stepfather, and later in her teens, she would move in with her father and stepmother. She was living in Eugene, Oregon, when in May of 1977, she decided she wanted to go visit a friend in California. It was her friend's 21st birthday, and reports stated that Colleen wanted to go and surprise her friend for her birthday party. So on May 19, 1977, the then 20-year-old Colleen would set out to hitchhike to Northern California. Now, Colleen is not new to hitchhiking. She actually described herself as an experienced hitchhiker. During her time on the road, she would even refuse multiple rides before finally accepting a ride from Cameron and Janice Hooker. Because it was a family. Yep. She had gotten good vibes from the couple, and she would be quoted saying she felt confident climbing into the blue van. I mean, who wouldn't? It was a small family. A little kid was in the van. Like, they were a young couple. She was not worried. They would begin to head towards Northern California, and they would stop at a gas station to refill refill and stretch their legs. Colleen would take this as an opportunity just to run to the restroom. While in there, Colleen recalls hearing a voice that would tell her, quote, run and jump out a window and never look back. Hearing a voice like in her head or like someone came in the bathroom and like it wasn't like a physical person. I took that as like an inner voice. Like it was her gut, maybe. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But Colleen thought that that little inner voice was being a bit irrational. And she mm-hmm. pushes those negative thoughts away and returns to the vehicle where Cameron and Janice Hooker are waiting. During the time that Colleen was in the restroom, Cameron would pull out a box and put it in the back seat next to Colleen. Colleen did not know what it was, and Cameron and Janice didn't say anything about it, so Colleen didn't ask. Which, you know what, that's fair. Mind your own business, okay? But also, maybe don't hitchhike anymore. I'm so mad at you. I know this story, and I'm so mad at you. I knew you would. While driving, Cameron would pull the car off of the road under the pretense that Cameron and Janice wanted to go see some ice caves that they had heard about in the area. Janice would get out of the car with her child. They would step away from the car. Cameron would also get out, but then he would get in the backseat and put a knife to Colleen's throat while they were alone in an isolated area. Cameron would blindfold, gag, and handcuff Colleen. She would then be forced into a wooden headbox that would be locked and she would be taken to Cameron and Janice's home in Red Bluffs, California. If you don't know what a headbox is, it's literally a box that goes on your head. It prevents light, sound, and fresh air from entering. The damn thing that was put on Colleen was estimated to weigh about 20 pounds. It had a foam insulation in it, so Colleen would describe it as very claustrophobic. And that was the random box that was sitting on the seat next to her when she had returned from the restroom. So they put her head in this box, covered her with her own sleeping bag that she brought with, and they proceeded back to their home. Colleen's first night of imprisonment was what I would imagine as hell. She would be taken to the hooker's home. The head box was removed in the car. She was taken to the basement of the home at the time. She was hung by her wrists from the ceiling. Uh, This is even worse knowing that Cameron Hooker made her step up onto a box so that she would be able to reach the, the bondage. That's, I don't think that's the word I want, but so she would be able to, like, her wrist would be able to reach. Yes, the shackles. That's what I want. So he would make her step up on this box so that he could shackle her wrist. And then he would kick the box out from under her. Now, keep in mind, she was blindfolded this entire time. Oh, my God. He would cut off the clothes or cut off all of her clothes on her body. And he would physically attack her with the bullwhip while Janice watched. When Cameron was done, he and Janice would proceed to have sex below Colleen as she remained suspended and blindfolded. What the? Okay. Okay. It was bad enough. It was bad enough that she had to go through that. And now, okay. I don't like it. I don't like it. These people are sick. I'm not arguing. Afterwards, Colleen, she would be forced back into the head box and then shoved into a crate from the neck down. So imagine like a big crate with a hole in it so that her head and then her head and the head box would rest on top of the crate. When you say crate, I'm thinking of like a, a dog crate. Or do you mean just like, like a big a wooden box? box. Yeah, okay. it's like a big wooden box. So in this crate, her hands and feet would also be chained to hooks within the box as well. So they were like drilled into the sides of the box. And Colleen would be kept in this position for up to 23 hours a day. She would be taken out at least once a day to be tortured. This included more whippings, electric shocks, starvation, burns, and the reported use of a homemade rack, which is medieval torture device. Um, The stockades. Yes. Now, Colleen's roommates, family, and friends were worried about her. 
Her roommates would actually contact her family after three days of no word from Colleen. And they're like, have you guys heard from her? What's going on? And they would file a missing persons report for Colleen. Friends and family, they would do everything they could to find Colleen. But they just had no clue where she could even be. Now, this was even reported that her parents would, they knew where she was going. They would drive that highway, report her missing to the police stations along the way, looking for her. And in one report, her father even stated they stayed just a few miles away from where she was being held at in a motel, but they had no clue. Oh my gosh. Within the first month of Colleen's captivity, she would lose at least 20 pounds. She was not allowed to bathe until August. And let's remember she was abducted in May. The first three months of her captivity, she was kept blindfolded. So she was kept in the dark. She never knew her surroundings well. She never knew what was coming. In November of that same year, she would be allowed a little bit more freedom, but would be forced to do like small chores given to her in the basement where she was held. Now, the blindfold wasn't taken off. She was given a little room under the stairs, which tiny. And this is where they would take the blindfold off of her. So all she knew was that little room. So they would take the blindfold off, give her a chore to do, and they would also force her to do this naked. Most of this is Cameron. Um, Cameron is forcing her to do these things. She talked about how her first chore that she had to do was like shelling a bunch of walnuts. That is, when you say chores, I'm thinking like, okay, they made her fold laundry and shit. But like shelling walnuts is one of the most random and i feel like he probably went out of his way to be like this is annoying let's make her do this no if he went out of his way um i thought of it as something that janice would have to do it he made her do it instead right okay because the time frame is about november it could have been for baking cooking Uh, holidays okay so and Just to clarify, the entire time she is in this basement, she is nude. She is imprisoned and naked 24-7. And it would continue like this until January of 1978, when Cameron had an idea and he was going to act on it. Cameron would tell Colleen that he was part of this super secret and super dangerous society known as The Company. He would explain to her that the company had very powerful people, including law enforcement, politicians, and other high-status people involved in it. And that this company or this organization, they would enslave and sell women for fun and profit. And he would tell her that the company was able to use all these different high-tech things, could track them, and that the company knew about her and her family. And if she tried to escape the company would find her and harm her and her family. So she was forced to sign a quote-unquote slave contract. In this contract, she essentially would be giving Cameron control over her body. Um, It stated that she was never allowed to wear undergarments. She had to preserve her body for Cameron's exclusive use, and she had to fulfill his every desire. Colleen did ask what would happen if she didn't sign the contract, and Cameron would tell her that he would make her wish she had signed it. So they would go on to sign the contract, though Cameron reportedly used a pseudonym of Michael Powers, and Janice would also sign this as a witness. After signing this, they began referring to Colleen as Kay. And just to make it clear, they were not referring to the name Kay, they're referring to the letter K. So she's been reduced to a letter. The 
I, I'm just, I don't, I don't know. Like when, when you, when you talk about the, the company and the way he framed it and stuff, it sounds like this is the most made up thing in the world. Um, but when you were being tortured to the extent that this woman is being like just being blindfolded for months on end alone mm-hmm. that's that would drive me absolutely insane but everything she went through of course she's going to believe this stuff she's also only 20 years old like mm-hmm. she's new into adult adulthood she's learning things and he's able to sell this idea of the company and it doesn't help that janice helps sell this idea as well yeah she makes comments about it and some reports stated that he had information about her family, but he also had like her wallet and personal possessions and things. So that doesn't really like, I feel like that's yeah. where he got the information, but she didn't remember that because she had been so mentally worn down. Yeah. So Colleen would then be told she must refer to Cameron as master at all times. And she must refer to Janice as ma'am. Colleen was not allowed to speak without permission. She was, under full control of the hookers. Cameron was apparently wanting to live the live action version of an erotic story or an, of an erotic no- novel called The Story of O. So, never heard of it. He's basically treating her. I've never, I don't know anything ab- about this story, but this mm-hmm. is kind of where he got this inspiration about the company and calling her, calling her Kay and all of this random bullshit. Now, after signing the contract, Colleen would start being allowed upstairs in the family's home to help with more chores. She was only given a night- nightgown for her to wear in that time frame. Cameron Hooker would also begin to rape Colleen whenever he fancied. And this was something Janice was not too thrilled about since they had their agreement. But even after Janice expressed that she was upset that, that, she, that Cameron broke this promise that he wouldn't have sex with her, Cameron continued doing it while Janice was at work or away, so he took advantage of the alone time that he had with Colleen. Eventually, the hookers, they would move into a new mobile home in Red Bluffs, taking Colleen with them. And this was a few miles outside of Red Bluff and away from neighbors, so they kind of got away from any prying eyes. He would also create a new wooden box to keep Colleen in. And this was built directly into the frame of Cameron and Janice's waterbed. It's a mobile home. They no longer have a basement. So I guess he had to find a solution. And Colleen would then be forced into this about coffin-sized wooden box every single day. Just another form of mind melting. In 1978, Janice would go on to give birth to a second child, another little girl. And she did this on the waterbed. Just above colleen what the what who where did these people come from like i know you told me but where did they it was not this planet it's i don't even know if it's this dimension i i have no clue colleen was able to hear everything that was happening on the waterbed so she could hear colleen nope she is colleen she could hear janice going through labor and after that she could also hear any abuse that janice was then submit to Many believe that Janice thought she would no longer have to endure the torment with Colleen being there, but Cameron would continue to to act out fantasies on Janice. As time went on, Colleen would get more and more freedoms, but she would never attempt to escape. She lived in such fear of the company, and this was an idea that Cameron just drilled into her head constantly. Constantly. 
And Janice would on occasion play into that and say, oh, the company, if you do this, the company. Don't ask me what's wrong with them. I still don't know. Colleen would try to comply with all of Cameron Hooker's demands. And she she did this because she doesn't enjoy what he's doing to her. She does not like being whipped and tortured. And so the more she complies, the less she was abused. Cameron would also begin sleeping on occasion with Colleen and Janice in bed together. Sleeping or like sleeping? Like literally sleeping? He would force Colleen to perform oral acts on Janice. Son of a bitch. Okay. In 1980, Colleen would finally be allowed out of the home for the first time in years. This allowed her to go on a 15-minute jog near the trailer, work in the garden, help tend the hooker's children. Some reports stated that Janice would even drive Colleen to local bars where Janice would drink and vent to Colleen. Janice was becoming increasingly jealous of the fact that Cameron wanted Colleen so much. She kind of viewed Colleen as the other woman. Can you imagine complaining to this woman about her, like, there were only a couple reports that stated this, so how accurate that is, I don't know. Um, But it is interesting to think that she, and it's very clear that she's very jealous of Colleen. She is treating her like she's the other woman, like she's his mistress. And poor Colleen over here is like, I'm just complying because I don't want to die. Yeah. What the hell? And then also, you keep mentioning their kids. What do the kids think Colleen is to them? Like, what? how does that even play into this? The kids don't realize that Colleen is stored under the bed mm-hmm. every night. They kind of see her more as like a, a nanny that leaves every night after the kids go to bed. Okay. Jesus. Some reports stated that Janice would also sleep with strangers at this time as well. I don't know how accurate that is because she was pretty submissive to Cameron. So I kind of, I question that report because I don't think she would be willing to do something to inflict any punishment on herself. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't really sound like she's strong enough to do that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's not mentally capable of accepting that what Cameron is doing is so wrong. Right. Like, she's blaming Colleen. She's acting like she's Colleen's come into this and enjoying it and trying to take her husband. And Colleen is just trying to survive. In the summer of 1980, Colleen would be allowed out of the box more long term. She would not be forced back into the box, but rather would be forced to sleep on the bathroom floor, chained by her neck to the toilet. I'm not really sure which is worse. Towards the end of the year, she was finally allowed to call her family. And her family at this point doesn't know what happened to her. They have no clue. They haven't heard from her in three years. What did she tell them? She would tell them she was coming home for a visit. Hold on. Okay, first of all, just hearing each other's voices after that long has to be so ridiculously traumatic. And what the hell do you mean she said she told them she was coming for a visit? She tells her family that she is working as a nanny for this very nice couple. She is telling this family she is working for this very nice couple as a nanny that she had met on the road. And in 1981, Cameron allows her. So this is like end of 1980. She makes the phone call, tells them she's coming for a visit with permission from Cameron. In 1981, they pull that trigger. She is allowed to go and visit her family, and Cameron told her that something incredible happened and that the company had approved for her to visit her family, something that had never been allowed for any of their slaves ever before. And 
Cameron drives her to her parents' home and allows her to visit with her family alone. Like, he's got so much control over her. This is wild. He leaves her with her parents' house. The following day, he would come back and visit, and he would be introduced as her boyfriend, Mike. Uh-huh. During her visit with her family, she did not reveal the truth of her situation. She was so fearful about the company. She, she was so convinced that this company was real and that they were watching her and her family and they knew everything and they would hurt her and her family. So she, she doesn't say anything. Though her family did suspect her to be part of a cult. They're like, she rolled up with no money. She's in handmade clothes. Like, she, there's something wrong. She's not writing us. She's not calling us. Like, this is, something's off. In fear of pushing her away, though, her family doesn't really push her for answers. One of her sisters pushes a little bit, but gets shut down by her stepmom, who's like, if you do this, she's never going to come back. We, we don't want that. We want her to come back. Now, her family was able to get a picture of Colleen and Cameron happily smiling and acting as this happy couple. But Colleen also states, as she looks back on that day, her happiness was truly from being able to see and visit her family yeah. after years in captivity. Like, she is just so happy to see her family. And I do have that picture on the drive. But something snapped when Colleen and Cameron return to their home in Red Bluffs or to Colleen's prison in Red Bluffs. All of those freedoms that Colleen had would be revoked. She would again be held in the box under the bed for up to 23 hours a day. The hooker children who had become accustomed to Colleen, or as they knew her, Kay, they were told that Kay had gone home and they would just no longer be seeing her. Colleen would stay in this box, being forced to use a bedpan that she would position with her feet surviving only on scraps, not allowed to make any noises, lying still for up to 23 hours a day. And just as a reminder, this box, is it, it's not meant to keep her comfortable. It was dark. It had little airflow. The summertime, it would get over 100 degrees. Oh my gosh. This would go on for three years. So she's doing, quote unquote, great. They visit her parents and then with no explanation as to why she comes back and it's back to the box for three years. Yeah. There's speculation that Cameron basically was like, I'm giving her too much freedom. I'm losing control. And that fear kind of made him tuck her away to regain his control or in his mind, regain his control. Other reports stated that it was Janice. Janice was sick of having Colleen. She didn't want her there, but Cameron wasn't, wasn't willing to let her go. Um, Janice was also fearful about the consequences of letting her go. So there's, there's a lot that it could have been. Now, anytime that Colleen was allowed out of the box, the kids were already in bed. Cameron would proceed to feed and torture Colleen. In 1983, Colleen would again be let out of the box and start having more freedom. So this is three years later. She would be reintroduced to the kids. And she would actually begin being allowed to go to church with Janice. Janice was very religious. Colleen had, had read the Bible quite a bit while she was in captivity. She was pretty religious. So it kind of made sense for them to go to church together. Colleen was even allowed to get a part-time job at a, as a maid at a nearby hotel under the name K-Powers or the identity of K-Powers. While Cameron is at work and the girls were at school, Janice would allow Colleen out of the box as well, and they would begin to read the Bible together. 
Can I ask real quick? I'm sorry. It, it was gnawing at me. I was going to try to let it go. What happened to their to the money she made from this job? Uh, I didn't have any. I assume it went to the hookers. That's what I was assuming too. Which yeah. Is just, oh God. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have anything that said where the money went. Um, and seeing as she was allowed to go get this job, yeah, I'm fairly confident that Cameron Hooker was taking it. Okay. It's a lot to feed that many people. Well, that sounds like their choice. Oh, and I know. Not Colleen's choice. Their choice and literally nobody else's choice. In the same year, Cameron Hooker would also share his intentions with Janice that he was going to make Colleen his second wife. Something in Janice would break at this time and she begins to struggle more and more. In August 1983, Cameron would tell Janice that he intended to acquire more slaves. He was going to keep them in a pit that he had dug underneath their shed. Oh my god. Oh god. Just what did he had also moved Colleen's box to this pit when he had finished it in 1983, so he intended to also keep Colleen in this pit as well. And Janice would finally break in 1984. Janice would tell Colleen that Cameron was not part of any organization known as the company. Wasn't a thing. They maintained that it was a real organization, but Cameron just wasn't cool enough to be part of it. <laughs> and <laughs> sorry, okay. She really went from like his ride or die to be like, you know what? He's lying and he's stupid and he's a loser. And he wants to marry you. Fuck him, okay? Yeah. Screw him. Part <laughs> of this might have been because Colleen finally confided in her pastor a little bit. She didn't tell him the full extent. She kind of explained it as a love triangle. And her pastor was like, God would not be okay with this situation you've got. Mm -hmm. She was breaking down and the people she was confiding in, because she couldn't confide in her husband. But the people she was confiding in, their small remarks about God would not be okay with this. You mean Janice confided? Yes, Janice. Oh, okay. I think you might have said Colleen, or I heard Colleen. But I, I might have said Colleen. Okay. But if Janice. Said, yeah. If I said gosh. Colleen, I meant Janice. So Janice is going to her pastor. The people she's confiding in, they're, she's maybe not giving them the full story, but she, they're kind of telling her God would not want this. And Janice is very religious. Like her husband would use this against her. He would talk about the Bible and how God made it very clear that a man could take multiple wives and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so Janice was struggling. So she goes to Colleen and says, Hey, no such thing as the company. And you're probably safe to leave Colleen. I don't see, see there being any consequences for you. What's he going to do? But she asked that Colleen not call the police as she believed that Cameron had a chance at reform. Oh my God. She's so stupid. Well, when Colleen learns the truth, Janice does help her leave. Janice takes Colleen back to her parents' house where Colleen would call her own parents. Janice would take her to the bus station. Colleen would get her final fuck you to Cameron. Well, not final. Would get a fuck you to Cameron Hooker from the bus station. And she would call him and tell him, I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. Screw you. Oh, hell yeah. And like the little bitch Cameron Hooker is, he burst into tears. According to Colleen. He did. Oh, I 100% believe her because this, he is the most unstable individual I think we have ever talked about on this podcast. And I don't understand the way his brain works. So I 100% believe her. Oh, I believe her a thousand percent. Now, this also could have been that Janice was also leaving Cameron at the same time. So she packed up the kids and she was like, peace out, bye. 
Took you long enough, but at least you made it. After seven and a half years of imprisonment, Colleen would catch a bus home. Oh my God. Can you imagine how great that bus ride felt? She actually, in one of the documentaries I watched, she talked about how it was just kind of surreal for her. Like, she couldn't really believe it was happening. But at the same time, she felt a lot of, like, guilt and embarrassment and all these other things for believing in this company for so long. Like, she was very, very conflicted with some different things. She would get home. She would give her family a a few details, but she would refuse to call police. And this was at Janice's request. Janice... Mm -hmm. She was like, he has a chance at reform. And as far as Colleen was concerned, she's like, you know what? I'm out of there. I am leaving that behind me. I want to move forward with my life. In fact, some reports stated that she would actually call, Colleen would call Janice Hooker frequently after her escape. I think this is more where the Stockholm Syndrome comes in. I think she identified more with Janice. Yeah. Well, that and I mean, at this point, she could possibly be thinking like, hey, I owe my life to this woman. Like Janice did get her out of there. To my understanding, she was still pretty pissed. Like, seven years? You let me believe this for seven years? Yeah. Either way. Um, Someone would eventually call police on Cameron. But it wasn't Colleen. Three months after Colleen's escape, Janice Hooker would report her husband to Lieutenant Jerry D. Brown of the Red Bluff Police. Janice would tell them of Colleen's kidnapping and subsequent tortures and rapes and everything for the past seven years. Did God tell her to do this? Like, what? Why did she just suddenly change her mind? So she had already been, from what I understood, she had already kind of been breaking down. She was going to her pastor. And to my understanding, she finally, finally hit a breaking point and told her pastor everything. And the pastor was like, uh, (laughs) hold on. There's, there's no reform here. This is the Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I understood it. But she just, I think she realized that he's beyond saving. There is no reform for him. He's not going to change. He's dangerous. And I need to, we need to end this. She would also tell police of another woman who Cameron had killed a year prior to abducting Colleen. What? Marie Elizabeth Spanahak or Marliz. She was 19 years, 19 years old on January 31st, 1976, when the hookers would pick her up hitchhiking. According to reports, Marliz had gone to a flea market with her then-boyfriend. She wasn't even from this area. She was living in Chico, California with her then-boyfriend. Her and her boyfriend got into an argument, and she was so upset. She was like, I'm walking home. She wasn't even familiar with this area. and She's like, screw it, I'm walking. They would take her to her intended destination in Chico, But when she attempted to get out of the car, Cameron would grab her, force her back into the car, put her head in the head box, and take her back to the hooker's home. Okay, taking her to where she was going is just an ad. Like, that's that's what gets me about this case, is they always take it that little step further. He seems to always take it just that little step further, just a twist in the knife, just a little bit more. She would be taken back to the hooker's home. And just like Colleen, Marlies would be hung by her wrist, undressed, and tortured for a day. However, Cameron would reportedly attempt to cut Marlies's vocal cords. But as he's not a medical professional, he basically just slit her throat. And he would go on to shoot her in the stomach with a pellet gun and strangle her. What the hell? So, reports stated... According to Janice's testimony, she said that 
Cameron always had the intention of cutting her vocal cords because he didn't want her to scream. Now, the report stated that the reason he strangled her were unknown. Some state that he strangled her when she wouldn't stop screaming. Other state when he tried to sever her vocal cord, he was like, well, shit, now I just have to. But there's no, no clear reason for it. Why did he shoot her in the stomach with a pellet gun? Just because he's a sick asshole? Yes. What the hell? Oh, God. Cameron and Janice would bury her body near Lassen Volcanic National Park. Police were stunned by this confession. They had actually suspected her boyfriend behind her disappearance, even though he had passed a polygraph. But he also admitted that they had had an argument at the flea market. Unfortunately, though, Marliz's body has never been recovered, even with Janice's cooperation. There are also no charges for her murder that have ever been brought up against Hooker. Um, There's no physical evidence that he had anything to do with her disappearance. And there's also no evidence that she's even been murdered or is even dead. Without a body, they cannot do anything. Colleen would go on to state that a photo of Marlies was propped against Colleen's purse. A picture that she saw regularly when getting in and out of the, the box. And she would describe this to police when initially interviewed. And they were able to say, holy shit, yeah, that like Colleen's story matches that of Janice's. They had her picture? Like, against Colleen's purse. They're, they're fucked up. Oh, my God. Now, in return for full immunity, Janice Hooker would agree to cooperate with police and testify against her husband, Cameron Hooker. When you say, <laughs> when you say full immunity. Full immunity. Did they know? Did they have at least an inkling of her role in this? Full immunity. They knew. Okay, I don't, I don't, I really don't like that. You couldn't have just offered her some kind of plea deal or something, at least. I understand you wanted to get this guy. I get that. That's so her confession was probably important, but full immunity. So to my understanding, at a certain point, Janice lawyered up. She was like, oh shit, I might be going in a little deeper than I want. And I'm willing to bet she told her lawyer, like, I'm not saying anything if I can't guarantee that I'm going to be with my girls. Because that was always a fear that was stated of Janice. That she didn't want to get in trouble. She didn't want to be taken away from her kids. Of course she didn't. But, like, you should have thought about that this entire time. For seven and a half years. Yeah. When you're, you were literally putting your kids through it. Like, I can't. I can't imagine what Colleen went through, but also to grow up and hear about this as one of those two girls, like, oh my God. Both Colleen and Janice would testify against Cameron during trial, and you are about to hate his defense team so much. Please tell me, please tell me they're going to claim the whole thing was consensual. Cameron's defense team would try to argue that while Hooker may have kidnapped Colleen, the sexual acts were consensual and should not have been considered criminal. Okay, 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 okay. What are they claiming is a sexual act? Keeping her in a box for three years? Is that, is that a sexual act? There, so any, because he's being charged with like counts of rape and um, sexual assault. So those are the ones that they're, they're like, no, 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 she was never sexually assaulted. Those were consensual. They're not contesting the kidnapping in this statement. They're like, yeah, she might have been kidnapped, but 
but she did everything else willingly. So she was there against her will, but everything else she wanted is what they're claiming. I know everybody has a job to do, but I don't know how these people sleep at night. I really don't. They basically said they're like, based on Colleen's seeming willingness to comply with Cameron, like that's what makes it consensual. And I'm like, dude, she was trying to freaking survive without being abused. Exactly. Like she, this, this is pure survival mode. Right. Next, you're going to tell me they brought up where she signed the document, aren't you? No. Next, Hooker's defense team would also bring in a psychiatrist who attempted to argue that the brutalities that Colleen suffered at Cameron's hands were similar to the drills that new Marine recruits may undergo each day during initial Marine training. What? Hold up. Hold up. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't like it. And I don't understand. If it makes you feel any better, the judge would kind of shut down this bullshit. And he'd be like, thank mm, you. No, 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 no. He interrupted and was like, mm, done. Thank you, Mr. Judge man. Thank you. Jesus Lord. Hooker would also take the stand in his own defense. And he would claim that he was significantly less violent than what Colleen and Janice portrayed. That was his defense. He took the stand uh-huh. and was like, y'all, I wasn't that bad. Right. What a piece of chicken fried trash. It only took the jury three days to return their verdict. Three days? Why did it take that long? They got to assign a foreman, play a couple rounds of poker. I don't, I don't know. It still should not have taken that long. I think what it was, was they were trying to figure out like the accounts of assault that they were going to charge or find him guilty of. Because newsflash, okay. he was found guilty. I think That's it was- right. And you did say he, it was like multiple things he was charged for. Right. That right. y'all, that better have been what y'all were talking about. That better have been. You better not have had to convince one person that he wasn't innocent. Well, in 1988, Cameron would be sentenced to consecutive prison terms that totaled to 104 years. It's not enough. This was for sexual assaults, kidnapping, and use of a deadly weapon with the knife when he put it to her throat. At the conclusion of the trial, the judge would state this about Cameron. Quote, the worst psychopath I have ever dealt with. Janice Hooker would change her last name back to her maiden name. I have opted to leave it out um, for the sake of her children. She has raised her kids out of, out of any sort of spotlight. In 2010, it was uncovered that she was working as a social worker in California. <gasps> what? But other than that, we don't really know much about her whereabouts. Do they not background check? She wasn't charged with anything. It's 2010. A quick Google search. Maybe ask Jeeves. That's just one that came out. She may have been working as a social worker much longer than that. And they didn't have Google. The absolute audacity of this woman. I can't. I cannot. Like, what does that make you feel good to go into that line of work? I have no idea. It better be from guilt. I don't like her. I don't like her at all. Now, Colleen and Janice, they do not speak to this day, but how do you feel about Janice getting full immunity? Because I, I am absolute crap. I'm sorry. You were still talking. I'm angry. <laughs> I'm conflicted because on one hand, I do think she's a victim. Like, I do think she was also tortured. Like, she was abused, reportedly abused at a young age. She didn't know that that wasn't a normal relationship. But on the other hand, she did nothing for seven and a half years. And the only time she changed her mind is when she got jealous and pissed off because he was going to marry his victim. 
that's literally what it like that's what my notes say is that that was her breaking point is when she was jealous that he was gonna marry Colleen. Yeah, that's why like I don't I don't okay, I get I am a little conflicted, a very tiny, like minuscule bit. I think I'm being loud. I need to hold on. Okay. I need to calm it down a little bit. Baby's asleep. I I do see that point, but I just feel like in in situations like you know what? Look at Saul. How many people in those movies could not do that to the other person? And she's just here like, hmm, yeah, you can get sex slave as long as you stop abusing me. What? That's not a healthy mindset. And I just, just a couple years, Bryce, parole, right. something, something. She got off scot-free. One of the comments I read was Colleen suffered for seven years in imprisoned. Why didn't Janice get seven years? Yeah, fair. Yeah, very fair point. But she she got full immunity. How does Colleen feel about Janice getting immunity? I'm not sure. I couldn't. I didn't see anything on that. I'm mad for her. You know what? I don't. I don't even care. She's probably a big person, and she's like she she suffered too. I heard it. Well, ma'am, I didn't, and I hate it for you. Right. Now, Cameron originally would be up for parole in 2023, but due to California. <laughs> Due to California's elderly parole program, his parole hearing was moved forward to 2015. On April 16th, 2015, his parole request was denied. It better be. Okay. Hooker is not eligible for another parole hearing until 2030, or at least in 2015, he was not. However, COVID changed things a little bit. In 2021, Colleen would actually receive a call from California officials and she was being notified that they were considering granting Hooker parole. Are they out of their minds? As of June 2021, he was still awaiting a hearing to be determined if he should be classified as a sexually violent predator. And if he was, he would be kept behind bars. As of articles that I could find in March 2023, he is still awaiting trial, but that date has been set for October of 2023. So as soon as we get more information on this, I will update all of you. I put notifications on our calendars already. I'm so, so mad right now. Do you have more to read? Well, I mean, if you want to know what Colleen's up to. Okay, yes. But first I'm going to bitch because I'm so mad. Why does he even have the option for parole? He kidnapped and tortured someone for years. Technically, if I'm going to be nice here, he tortured multiple people for years. It's something about an elderly parole thing. I don't know. I don't know anything don't about California law. old in prison. That's his fault. Well, he, he's still there from what I could find. Well, good. But I just, I'm not mad. I mean, no, I am mad. I don't know if you noticed. I'm not happy that he's even eligible for parole and that there even has to be a hearing to decide if he's sexual, if he's a sexually violent predator. He kind of sounds like a predator and pretty damn sexually violent to me. Right. But please tell me what Colleen is up to, because I hope she is just, I hope she shits gold bars and just, <laughs> I hope she just has a great life. I, I will let her know that's your hope for her. <laughs> um, Colleen Stan, she would go back to school to get her accounting degree, which she did get. She would try to live as normal of a life as possible. I'm sorry, remind me, how old was she when she finally got to go home? Uh, so she was 20 when she was abducted. So 27, 28. Oh, God. Okay. Colleen suffers from PTSD. Fair. Sure. She also suffer, suffers from severe shoulder and 
shoulder and back injuries from being kept in the box for so long. Her and her family celebrate her escape every year at the beach. Colleen also counsels other women who have survived abuse. She is now a mother and a grandmother. And she would actually go on to state that her faith in God and belief in a chance to escape would help her to survive her captivity. The case of Colleen Stan is often referred to as the girl in the box. And there are plenty of documentaries you can find on Colleen. And there is also a Lifetime movie of the events called Girl in the Box, which I did watch. In total, she spent 2,634 days in captivity. Good God. That is the story of Colleen Stan. Yeah, I hope, like, she never gets stopped at a red light. She just, like, her lettuce never wilts. She just has a great freaking life. And he looks like a ball sack. Yes, I did include pictures, so... Um, I couldn't find a lot of pictures of Janice. Like the one picture I have of Janice in the first one is like the only picture I could find of her. Which honestly, yeah, that that makes sense for how I pictured her for whatever reason. Just she's still evil. Yeah, her eyes just look dead. Yeah, she. It's not a flattering picture of her either, right? No, that's another reason I like it so much. Well, then I get mad because I'm like, what the hell is this? Why does Cameron get flattering pictures of him? I want all the shitty pictures of him. It was really hard to find bad pictures of him. I'm mad because he looks like Dwight Schrute. I don't really think so. I think he looks like a young Dwight Schrute, no. especially where he's in the suit. I think, it's, I think it's just the glasses and the way his hair's parted. I think it's just the glasses. But he's he also offends me on behalf of the office. Yeah. Yep. There's also a couple pictures of Colleen. As well as there is one picture of Marlies. She is, when you look at the sixth picture, she is the one on the left. And just so you know, that picture doesn't do Marlies justice at all. Her eyes, like when you watch the documentaries and they talk about her, her eyes are like bright, bright blue. I also have a current picture of Colleen today and one of Tamron Hooker today. I also have a picture of the box, the head box. Um, the one unflattering picture of Cameron I did find, it looks like he's got buck teeth. And I will be posting that one. Uh, loser. Doesn't it? Look, when you look at the fifth one, he's like, yeah, that one is going in. Freaking loser. Oh my God. I can't stand him. Who do I write to be like, what idiot would grant this man parole? That's, that yeah. is the letter, right? Like to whom it may concern, what idiot would grant this man parole? Sincerely yours. Amanda from Arkansas. Okay. That's my letter. That's your exact letter? Yeah. And I think everybody that listens to this episode should send that exact letter, except, you know. Bryce from Utah. Yeah. Sarah in Saskatchewan. Do it. Yeah. Point is, is that I, you're welcome that I got it off of the list for you. So you don't have to do the research on that one. But am I ungrounded from the Thought Catalog website now? You're a grown-ass woman making grown-ass choices. You did this. You did this. Google did this. I'm not taking responsibility. Google did this by showing me articles about Stockholm Syndrome. And then my brain went, oh, that might be a good story topic because we haven't really done one about Stockholm Syndrome. Why would your brain go there? I would rather do cannibalism than Stockholm Syndrome. Because TikTok and Google presented me with the idea. I don't like my, it. My TikTok algorithm is so fucked up right now. It's all murders right now. 
which isn't really that bad. I'm like, save that one for later and save that one for later. I think I'm more on like the paranormal TikToks. I get a lot of those. I was for a minute, but I started watching TikTok later at night. So I can't watch the paranormal ones. So I'm like, Ah. nope. I am on a lot of like the tarot reading TikTok right now. Or like like those are the witchy ones. Yeah. I've been Mm -hmm. very tempted to get on some of them because lately they've been showing me like fertility readings and I'm like, don't do it. (laughs) So. Though I do think the ones with the bones where they're like smacking the bones and throwing them down, those throw me off. I I don't like, I really like the sound the bones make. And I don't think that's something that I should say out loud. It doesn't sound great. But now the audio is out there and it's going to be in the ether. Oh, I'm but, leaving it for sure. Oh, I believe you. But it's just, it's a, it's a very satisfying sound. It's better than dice. I don't know. I agree with you though. Like, I don't know what it is about the sound, like the clicking. I don't know. Anyways, I have a lot of those on my my TikTok algorithm right now. So I've had to avoid them, even though I'm like, I want to ask so bad. It says free. And I'm like, scroll past. I'll know on Friday. Yeah, nothing online is free. Just remember that. I know. <laughs> but then knowing um, my luck, they're going to be like, yeah, it's triplets. And I'm going to say, get out of here. <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh, my God. That, that egg, we had a conversation and I specifically told it not to split. I I have been scolding it for like a week now. Like if you split, there will be hell to pay. <laughs> well, I mean, I know a girl that was a twin and she ate the other one. So maybe, you know, that's a possibility. Okay. If you do split, one of you battle to the death in the womb. Yeah. It's fine. That's like one of the first things she says when she talks to people or if it gets mentioned, she's like, oh, I was a twin. I had a twin in the womb, but I ate it. And I'm like, I probably would tell everybody that too. Really? Yeah. Hell, <laughs> if I had children in me that did that, I'd be like, you were the victor. Yeah. You won. Mm-hmm. You did your job. You did what you were supposed Survival to. You did the damn the fittest. You were the fittest. I mean, maybe not now anymore, but you were in that womb. Yeah. But now you're on your own. So you got to struggle through the rest of your life. <laughs> you peaked in the womb. That was sorry. <laughs> I'm ready for something not so horrible. Wait, but you didn't give me an answer. Is thought, thought catalog website back, back in rotation? No. Still no. Yeah. Okay. I'll. Don't worry. I'll get it yeah, back I'm, in. It's fun. Whatever. Jesus Christ. Um, I'm also doing 60 days based off of when the episode is released, by the way. So you're fucked either way. Look, it's... F- Shut up, Bryce. Let me tell you a story. Okay, I'm ready. All right. This is the story of El Sombreron. Sombrero. What? Sombrero? No. El Sombreron. Okay. Let me look it up one more time because I feel like there's an extra R in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nope, there's not. El Sombre Rome. This is, this story is popular across Latin America, especially in Colombia and Guatemala. And El Sombre Rome, he's a short man. Some people say he's a skeleton or a ghost. And he's always impeccably dressed. He always looks good. I saw it described as him wearing crisp black clothing. Crisp and clean. Wow. He's often described as wearing like a black dress or a poncho, but other times it's just like shirt and pants. He has a big, shiny, noisy belt and a huge sombrero. It's so big that people can't see his face. And uh, I read somewhere that the sombrero hides his shadow because it's so large. There's only the shadow of the hat and you can't even see his shadow. I mean, that's a damn big hat that he's got on. Oh, yeah. 
Some say that he's very quiet and hardly makes a sound. Other people claim that he makes a ton of noise. His boots are noisy. His belt is noisy. The horse's hooves that he rides makes more noise than usual. And the horse is noisy. The, this guy, he ain't sneaking anywhere. It sounds like, um, oh, you won't get this reference. Never mind. Somebody might. Go on. It's Monty Python. I've seen Monty Python with the Holy Grail. I thought you hadn't. Yeah, James made me watch it. Oh, okay. I'm just imagining the coconuts. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, him and his noise. Him and him and his noise. Him and his horse are just—they're either super quiet or noisy as hell. There's no in between. He's always seen riding into town at dusk, and he's always riding this horse. Some sources said that it was black like he was, like it just looked like a silhouette of him riding a horse. Other sources said that this horse was red with glowing eyes. Okay, what's your point? Love glowing It's a eyes. horsey. It's fine. He has two ferocious dogs on chains and he will let them go to attack anybody that gets in his way. And he's Done. also dragging a group of coal-carrying mules behind him. Wait, that's where the noise is coming from. Yeah, it's all the damn donkeys with all the coal for whatever reason. Sometimes he's like, I just leave them at home. That's why I'm silent. But when I bring them with... Oh, let me tell you when he leaves them. Okay, so we'll get into that. <laughs> he's said to hang out in towns for a little while before he moves on to another town without leaving a trace of him ever even being there. And some regions say that he only comes on Fridays, especially Good Friday or Lent. That's when he just rolls on into town and starts harassing people. He's like, let me ruin your weekend. Bryce. El Sombreron, <laughs> he lives to braid hair. Okay, so he's like, let's party it up. I'm here to make it better. He, the horse he's riding, always has a braided mane and a braided tail. He will braid other horses tails and manes and if he can't find a horse's mane or tail to braid or if he's already braided them all he'll start braiding the hair of stray dogs that he comes across he's just a braiding machine he's like let me show you how to do this yes french braid boxers crisscross i don't know another braid fishtails yeah fish to all of them he's just braiding He's probably got so much arthritis in his hands, but he's just going for it. And he loves women with big eyes and long hair. And he'll woo them. If, and if the girl just can't resist him, then she responds to his wiles. Um, that is when El Sombreron will tie his mules outside of her house, unhook his guitar from one of the mules, and start singing and dancing outside the woman's home. So he's just like, you're going to tell me no? You're going to be, um, what's the terminology? What am I trying to think? I wish I could tell you. It's not difficult. You're going to play oh, hard to get. they're playing hard to get. You're going to play hard to get? Let me serenade you. Actually, yes. He serenades them with a silver guitar. So you're right on it. I see what he's doing. And of course, if they get close enough, he will braid her hair. And if he's, if he finishes braiding her hair, she is forever bound to him. 
Oh, okay. So we're not supposed to be like, yes, braid my hair. We're, yeah, we're not doing no. a braid train here. No, this is not a Rapunzel moment. No, you don't want him to braid your hair. <laughs> he would because... love Rapunzel. Oh, he, he would be would... so obsessed with her. It would take him so long to braid her hair. She could play hard to get for years. She would be like, you want to braid? Go ahead and yeah. start. Actually, I bet Rapunzel is his kryptonite. And she knows it. You know what? She knows it. We need Rapunzel to go to Columbia post haste. Like, yeah, head over. Why aren't you in Columbia yet? Uh, oh, so do you want to know what happens if a woman becomes bound to him? I would love to know what happens. Okay. It's Does not she get great. to keep her braided hair? Uh, well, that, I guess that would be up to her. But she's not allowed to eat or sleep. Screw that. Bye. Don't <laughs> braid my hair. I'm out of this braid train. It's said that if, she, if a woman is bound to him, every time she tries to eat, her plate just magically is covered in dirt and rocks. Okay, that's just so rude. What if it was like her comfort food and she's sick and you're going to present her with dirt and rocks? Dirt. Yep. Dirt. And All she wanted. She can still eat it if she wants, but it's, there's going to be dirt and rocks in it. All she wanted was some carne asada fries and you got to do her dirty like that? I dare someone to put some dirt in my hot funions. My flaming hot funions. That that those are fighting words, right? Fighting actions. Texting James right now. I'm going to see if he'll do it. Do you want him to live? <laughs> Have you ever uh, updated your life insurance? Uh, he'll he'll live a little longer. Okay. <laughs> um. Oh, and when he stops her from sleeping, he will. He'll just appear either in the house or out in the yard, and he'll be playing his guitar and serenading her. Oh my, okay, sir, enough is enough. She's been serenaded. Let her sleep. Well, there is a way to get him away from you. Do you unbraid your hair? No, that's not oh. going to cut it. You have to cut your hair and then put it in holy water. Done. Night one, you're going to start serenading me every time I'm almost asleep. And then I will take away my bitch. food. Yeah. It's gone. I will Shit. buzz it. Oh. Put it on a one. I don't care get rid where's the holy water i'm dunking it all over my body the hair everything it's all gone i don't care <laughs> there's another way that sounds i don't i don't even know how you i don't even know why there's another way when you can just cut your hair and put it in holy water go be a naked mole rat for a couple months it grows back okay hair grows the other way to do this to get rid of him you need a stick from the cross that Jesus was crucified on. Okay, that's too hard. Just buzz it. How do you... Yeah, just give me the clippers, okay? Who knows where that thing is? Not even going to attempt to find it. No, absolutely point. not. You're if just it, picking it up is, sticks. If it's still around, it's going to be probably buried in a cellar somewhere like the Dead Sea Scrolls. Like, we are never going to see that thing. I will never be important enough to see that thing. Just shave my head and put it in a jar of holy water. He probably did that on purpose because he's like, women don't want to shave their long, luscious hair. They love it braided. They're not going to cut it. Joke's on you. I hate brushing my hair. So how about them apples? <laughs> Is your hair long enough for him to be like, I need her though. If I can braid it, he can braid it. I mean, I'm pretty sure he, if he's braiding dog hair, I'm pretty sure he could braid, like, arm hair. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, 
that I feel like he thought he would do two options. He's like, I'm going to give you an impossible task (laughs) of finding this stick that we know you're never going to find. Or or just cut your hair and you're not going to because your hair is so long and beautiful. Who would ever cut their hair? Someone sleep deprived. Okay. Shave it. It's gone. Yep. Very true. They're sleep deprived. They're sleep deprived. They're hungry. They don't give a hell about their hair. They're past hungry. They are hangry. They just want their carne asada fries. Yes. It's dangerous at that point. You're messing with your own life, sir. Now, if this woman does refuse to shave her hair and she can't find, I guess, a, a stick from the, the cross Jesus crucified on. Wait, what What does she do with the stick, though? She just has to have it and be like, here's the stick? That's the thing. I could not find that. So the only thing I can figure is that nobody ever did it. Because it, <laughs> all I could find was that you needed it. And they never told me what you needed it for. So my guess is that nobody ever went that route. And they just shaved it. They're like, that, that was too difficult. Bye. Yeah. Like, no, I can do this from home. Ma, hand me the DIY it. Yeah. So if they're unable to do this, they their souls are bound to him forever. And when the woman does eventually die, he, of course, attends their funeral. And he cries crystal tears because he's mourning his lost love. Sir, sir you killed her. You didn't let her eat or sleep, sir. That's- you put her here. Are you okay? I feel like he doesn't quite understand women. <laughs> I feel like he doesn't understand the basics of living. I feel like he doesn't understand the basics of women living. <laughs> like, if you love someone, you feed them. Oh, 1000%. I will just say on this recording or on this episode, James fed you. Yeah, he brought me a large plate of potatoes. They were delicious. And if Cody had been home, he would have fed me at my own request. But he wasn't home, so it doesn't matter. I fed myself. If you love a woman, give her carbs. Give her whatever. Play the A or B game with her, though, because that works much better than hearing I don't know. That works much better than me having to say I don't know. Like, no. Yeah, give me an A or B. Don't ask me what I want to eat. That's too much pressure. Right. A or B. Yes. And then... I have the pressure of only choosing A or B. And if I know the options, if I know like A is carne asada fries and B is hamburgers and you tell me A or B and I don't know which one's A or B, I'm going to decide. I feel like you could just have both. Those sound like they go good together. No. Oh, am I just pregnant? Carne asada fries is like a meal on its own. Like think of super nachos or like nachos that are fully loaded. Like, oh, nachos cheese. good. I, I'm telling the pregnant woman about food. Now she's fantasizing yeah. about food. Yeah. Point being is those are two completely different meals. Do not know. Okay. But my point is, is that you just play the A or B game if someone's hungry. I don't know how we got started on that, but you can go up and continue. Oh, we were telling people how to make women happy. Yes. Feed them. Mm-hmm. First thing. Now, before we got into why you should not date this man well before we got into his red flags um i told you he travels from town to town and like harasses him for a while and then moves on well (laughs) if he comes across somebody who's traveling alone while he's heading from town to town if he sees them he'll call out to them sir that sounds so desperate he will call out to them 
Si te alcanzo, te lo pongo. No, thank you. Not interested. <laughs> I can't say this with a straight face. If I catch you, I'll put it on you. What are you going to put on me, <laughs> sir? Keep it in your pants. I don't want it. I, I am trying to make myself think that he's talking about the hat. But uh, he's seducing women left and right. We know he's <laughs> not talking about his hat. <laughs> okay, look, that's just multi. I mean, like every source I came across said that. So I had to put it in there. What it means, I don't know. Colombia, please tell us. Guatemala, please tell me. What does that mean? Maybe I got it translated wrong. I'm not real sure. I, I think you translated it correctly. And I think he's a pervert. <laughs> He is standing outside of women's windows while they're trying to sleep and just what, singing to him. And I don't envision it's like a nice song. I envision like, um, like just a really horrible singing. Like metal music. Like she's no, trying to just, sleep and he's just really getting down. Like he's just off key. He's basically just yelling while he's playing his little guitar. <laughs> like he might as well be yodeling. I'm imagining Zorro out here, just like finessing women. No, I'm sorry. He's, first of all, you gotta braid their hair to get their attention. Like, sir, try your dazzling personality. The braiding comes after. Braiding is like home base. Okay, but let's try a dazzling personality over touching anyone, you know? Oh, I just got uncomfortable. This isn't some 90s romance movie. Where he guy can hold up a little radio beatbox, seduce his girl <laughs> at the end of the movie. We're not doing that, okay? No, he's actually playing. He's a step. He's a step further. No. Um. Yeah. So if I if I catch you, I'll put it on you. And he will chase these people yelling this, and he only stops when they reach a populated area. That's just rude. It's like he's. Playing a prank. Don't travel alone. Oh, and remember, he's not just this creepy man chasing you, yelling about, just yelling about stuff. He also has these two ferocious dogs on the chains that are chasing you. And this loud horse clip-clopping everywhere. It's the Please whole Please let the dogs get me. Please let the dogs <laughs> get me. End my misery right then and there. So I have three legends to go along with this story that I've, it was three, right? Yeah. Okay. Three legends and they're all pretty different. So I'm guessing they came from different regions. In 1837, people were just, they were living their lives. They were, they were doing their stuff. I, I don't know what people did back then. Okay. But they were doing it. And they noticed that the wind had picked up outside and it was unusually cold. And they said that the sun was acting strangely. I don't know what that means. And it was extra fiery. It was extra fiery. Yes. Animals were behaving oddly. So the people just realized like, okay, something's not right here. So they did the smartest thing they could do. And they shut themselves in their homes out of fear of what was going on outside. And they God. locked all their doors and windows and they just waited. They're like, we don't need to go outside. We don't know. Just close. Everyone go to your houses. Party's over. Yeah. Go home. 
Call, write me a letter if you want, but I don't know how it's going to get to the mailbox. We'll figure that out later. Paper airplanes. Come on, guys. Eventually, they saw a huge horse rocking down the street. They said that its nays were different from other horses, and everything about this horse was just terrifying. And there was a human-esque figure riding the horse, but nobody could hear him or make out his face. And during this time, as they're watching this thing walk up and down the streets, the most daring of men, or the ones most desperate to drink, they would still go outside, mostly to bars. But they would hear a voice seemingly coming from the man in the hat that said, if I catch you, I'll put it on you. And, <laughs> and the people who did leave their homes were never seen or heard from again. Okay, so much for him focusing on women. He's like, your competition, bye. Yeah. You smell like rum, you're out of here. That was my rum that I was going to go drink. This is crap, <laughs> bye. The next story is about this beautiful woman named Susanna. Her mother owned a general store, and Susanna was gorgeous. She was like the belle of the town. She had long hair. Big chestnut brown eyes. And she was on the balcony one night admiring the full moon and brushing her hair. Because I guess, I don't know. I guess that's what she did back then. When a short man with a big hat and a guitar approached her. And he was absolutely entranced by her beauty. He started singing, playing his guitar, serenading her. And the sounds of his guitar and his voice were just too much for her to resist. So I'm sorry, it's not what you were thinking. This man is just, I can't think of anybody other than Puss in Boots for some reason. Just he is Puss in Boots suave. I don't think he's singing. I think he has his horse singing behind him. And then, horse. <laughs> so we're talking magic. We're talking bullshit anyways. So when he's trying to seduce the women, it's the horse, right? Like. So He's that's like, why the nays sound so strange because it's not a nay, it's a person saying nay. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what's happening when okay. he's when he's official, like first seducing them. But then when he's like, no longer can you sleep, that's actually him singing. And that's where mm -hmm. it's like uh like just like nails settles. on the chalkboard. Okay, you know what? That that makes sense. Yeah, okay, check yeah. Out. Well, Susanna, since he was just too much, since him, his horse was too much to resist, <laughs> she climbed down her balcony to be with him. Didn't even walk through the house. She's just like, no, I got to be there now. Get me there. Well, her parents eventually realized she was outside and they forced her back in the house. But they noticed on her way in that her hair was braided. From that night forward, she tried to sleep. But she would hear the the figure singing to her. Sometimes he was in her room. Other times he oh, was outside God. her window. And whenever she tried to eat, her food always had dirt and rocks in it. And she, it was just, it was beyond the point of even being able to save it when she was starving. Her parents, they cut her hair and took her to church. The priest put her hair in the holy water and then he prayed over Susanna. And a few days later, El Sombreron left her alone. Oh, so that's all you gotta do. That's all you gotta do. Your parents just have to say enough of this bullshit. That boy's not good for you. Yeah. Enough is enough. We're putting our foot down. You cannot see him anymore. Mm -hmm. You gotta cut your hair. You gotta do the bangs. 
And she, the entire time, she's like, but mom, I love him. Yeah. And they were like, you don't, no, you don't. You just think it's love because you're young. They're like, trust us. We know. Yeah. So this last legend, I'm just going to get right into it. Okay. Because I feel like we hit a left, a left turn here, but it was a good story. A long time ago, there was a priest and he was so incredibly devoted to God that he refused to even speak of other beliefs or the possibility of them being there. This priest, he was in his room one day reading scripture when a boy was playing with a rubber ball outside. And this little boy was just having a time of his life playing with his ball. And it, when it bounced in the window and it bounced around the, few, the room a few times before it came to rest at the priest's feet. So he picked it up and he was going to throw it back to the little boy when he was just overtaking with this sensation to bounce around the room the same way that the ball did. That's a sensation you can get. I guess. I don't know what kind of, it, it said the ball was rubber, so I don't know, but. Oh, it's like a bouncy ball. Yeah. Or maybe it's like one of the, um, like the, um, like dodgeball ball balls. You know? Ooh, that make the good sound. Yeah, the, the good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The priest believed that that sensation that he was feeling, that is what the earth was like through the hands of God, his creator. Wait, what? Yes. Wait, no. What? That's what the earth was like? Yes. That heaven on earth was like. Sorry. He believed like this is just pure happiness. To just bounce around. I suppose. Yeah, I told you this one was a left turn. Okay. Uh, okay. So from then on, whenever the priest would move through the church, he could be seen bouncing that ball as he walked. Just. He was so annoying. I guarantee people were like, for the love of God, put the ball away and do the sermon. It's like. It's like three o'clock in the morning and he has to use the bathroom and you just hear patoon, patoon, patoon going down the hallway. Down the hallway. <laughs> Anyone that's nearby is like, I swear to God, it's every night at 2 a.m. Every single night. You can't stand this. They're conspiring to hide that ball from him. Oh, absolutely. When he falls asleep tonight, Jimmy, you're going in. Okay. You're going to go in and you're going to distract him. Just ask him a question. He doesn't have to get up. Just a question about god and then uh rosie over here she's gonna go around back find the ball take it sprint out and then she's never gonna be seen again because throw it in the know. river get rid yeah. of it done let the air out we're done don't we're... pop it because then he'll hear it you have to just slowly let the air out god but then what if they did that once and he just replaced it well now you just add i really don't know we just got to get rid of kids we got to get rid of kids no more balls no more kids He's just got a stash of them in his closet. He just pulls back his blanket and his bed <laughs> is just balls. That's okay. I've got a spare. There's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> oh. Okay. He's like, okay, now what I'm envisioning is like him with the jacket. What a ball. <laughs> we got red balls and blue balls and purple balls. We got big balls and small balls. Hey, buddy, I got what you're looking for. Like a dealer. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. I'm crying. Okay. I don't know why that was that funny. But I'm glad I left this story in here because I almost took it out. So with this ball, this priest is just happy. He's carefree. <laughs> and one day 
he called for mass and he didn't have the ball with him because unfortunately he had to put it away. It was time to go to work. So (laughs) as people are filing into the church, this woman approaches him and she asked him to pray for her son who had lost his ball playing near the church a few days back. And he had not been the same since. Her son had been crying for days. He refused to eat or sleep. And the priest immediately realized how selfish he had been. And he ran back to his room, got the ball, and threw it out the window and screamed, Stay away from me, Satan! Just saying how much he loved the damn ball. Now it's a ball of Satan? It's a ball of pure temptation. Yes. (laughs) Dumping all the balls out of his bed? (laughs) Throwing them up? He's going through with a knife and just popping them. People are like, he's having a mental breakdown. It's guys, <laughs> just let him be. Everyone just slowly files out of the church. They're all like, we were never here. They're like, oh, do you remember that mission trip we had planned? Let's go now. Yesterday. It's time to go. Oh, don't you guys all remember? We changed church from Sunday to Tuesdays. Let's give him a couple days. Give him some time. <laughs> give him some room. <laughs> Oh, God. So he threw this ball out the window and screamed, stay away from me, Satan. And the ball bounced down the road and it abruptly stopped. It turned into a large black hat and it described it as like opening up into a large black hat. And it slowly rose up from the ground and underneath the hat was a dark childlike figure. And the figure became known as the Sombrero of Satan. El Sombreron. I don't think that's how that works, but okay. That's the story of (laughs) El Sombreron. That last story was my favorite. The balls. (laughs) When I read that, after reading the first two, I was like, what in God's name? (laughs) I I gotta talk about this. I gotta share this. I have to share this with everybody. You didn't know I would just start making bullshit up. What oh, happened? <laughs> I 100% knew. This is exactly why I was like, nope, forget that other story. I got to talk about El Sombreron today. Because you were like, well, Bryce needs some bullshit. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, listen. I think for sure the last story is the only accurate one. Oh. And our version, though, of course. It's not the version that they read. He's got oh. a thousand balls under his mattress. Absolutely, yes. He's addicted to the plastic smell and feel of the dodgeballs. You just hear him every night, just... (sighs) He's named them all, drawn faces on them. (laughs) The guy in the room next to him, all he hears all night is patong thunk, patong thunk, (laughs) where he's just throwing them against the wall. He's just like, I swear to God. If I don't get any, that's what it was, is the pastor was actually El Sombreron because he wasn't allowing the people next door to sleep. He was just patung thunk all night. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Done. Makes a lot of sense. The whole growing out of the ball thing. I don't know about that, but the rest. I don't know why it had to be a childlike figure. That kind of, the, the childlike figure being Satan, that part checks. Okay. Speaking <laughs> from. Someone with a toddler that shit on my bathroom floor today. That checks 100%. Yeah. How do we get our version in the official retellings? I think we just keep telling it. 
Oh, okay. Everyone you heard, our version. Don't yeah. forget the dealer with the trench coat where he just opens it up and he's like, there's blue ones and red ones and pink ones. What oh, that's where I it got starts. It. Yeah. yeah. At the playground. Exactly. He's like 10 years old. This is his hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Becomes the pastor. He's just got a trench coat full of pockets and it's too big for him. So the coat and the balls just drag the ground behind him. <laughs> he always looks like he's a, he's like a bigger man because he's got all the balls in it, but he opens it up and he's like itty bitty stick figure. Really? It's three kids on top of each <laughs> other selling dodgeballs from a trench coat. They open it up and you just got six or three sets of eyes looking at you. Oh, oh God. I think we have solved the mystery. Now we know. <laughs> oh, I know what Annie's going to be for Halloween. <laughs> She's going to be our version of El Sombrerón. I will start sending her all all of the little, they might be like the little ball pit balls, but that's, she's getting them. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> You're going to get an order of a hundred of them. And oh. That's just the start. Oh, that's great. Oh, okay. I got to put this together. <laughs> Is she also going to have a sombrero with Absolutely. like balls hanging down? <laughs> Apple? Yes. Oh my god. Oh, this is great. Oh my god. Okay, we're d- done. Do it. All right. Thank you all for listening to Helen Heels Podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Helen Heels Podcast, Twitter at Helen Heels Pod, or Facebook by searching Helen Heels Podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing Helen Heels Podcast. If you want to support support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further, you can. Join us on Patreon as well, where we're working to create and release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at helenhillspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye! Bye!